Hi, I'm Dr. Ted Spear, pastor of the Fundamental Baptist Church International in Boshane, Kumasi. Today's message is entitled, Three Reasons to Give. I hope you'll listen. I believe this will be a very big help to you. Thank you for tuning in to the Fundamental Hour. Good morning. Today I want to talk to you about the subject of giving. This message will apply to your finances, but not just to your finances. I want to talk to you about giving in general because life is much more than just giving of our money and our wealth, but it's also giving of our talents, our abilities, of our time. And I want to talk to you today about the reasons to give. I want to give you three reasons why we need to be a giving people. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verses 6 and 7, it says, Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God of gold, 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams, and of silver, 10,000 talents, and of brass, 18,000 talents, and 100,000 talents of iron. The people of Israel were collecting uh, things. They were collecting the necessary items in order to build God's temple. And as they brought, the Bible says that they offered willingly. They were ready to give to this work. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Now in these two verses, the Bible is talking about the pastor or the leader of a church, the elder in a church, or elders. And that's referring to someone like myself. And the Bible says that the man who is going to lead the church, who's going to feed the flock of God, who's going to take oversight of the ministry, the Bible says he is to do that willingly, not by constraint. In the first two verses we looked at in Chronicles, they were giving up their things. They were giving of their wealth, their gold and their silver and their brass. But in this verses, it was the man of God who was to give himself, to give of his time, to give of his effort willingly. So whatever it is we're given, whether it be our time, whether it be our treasure, whether it be our talent, we're to give it willingly. Willingly means voluntarily. It is the opposite of something being compulsory. 
the verse said that the man of God, the elder, was to give not by constraint, but willingly. In other words, he was not to give because he was being forced to do the work that he does, but he was to do the work willingly or voluntarily. And today I want to talk to you about three proper motivations for giving. Or we could say it this way, if, if you're not a giver and you find giving to be difficult, it's because you don't have these three proper motivations. But if these motivations are in your life, then giving will be a result. Number one, people give because they want to give. People give because they're motivated to give. Jesus was motivated to give Himself an offering for our sin. Why? Well, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The motivation for giving His life, the motivation for laying down His life a sacrifice for us all was the fact that God loves us. Love motivates anyone to give. If you have people in your life and you say the words to them, I love you. Well, if you're not willingly giving to them, if you're not willingly giving them uh, of your time, of your talent, of your treasure, then they're probably not convinced of your love. And it's, it's these two things go together. When we are properly motivated by love, then we will be a giving person. If you find giving hard to do, it's because you don't love. It is because you're not motivated to help others. So, three proper motivations for giving. Number one, People give because they want to give. They are driven out of love, out of compassion, out of care, out of desire to help others. That's a proper motivation for giving. And if you're not giving like you should, it's probably because you're not loving like you should. You don't have love in your heart. If you find it hard to serve your husband or to serve your wife, you find it hard to be giving to your wife or husband, it's because you're not properly motivated by love. Number two, proper motivation for giving. People should give because giving leads to joy. When we give, there's something in it for us. Giving is not uh, something that simply brings hurt to us or brings a void to us. When we give to others, we're not left empty. I think one of the great reasons that probably many people uh, are a little bit hesitant to give to others is because somehow they feel that they're giving something away and they're going to be left without. But that's not true. Giving is one of the greatest things you can do, one of the best things you can do to bring blessings to yourself. You know, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
peace, joy. There's not much better in life than experiencing joy. Everybody's seeking joy. And if you want to have joy in your life, then you need to be a giver. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Now this verse here, it, it is Paul talking to his, um, the younger man, Timothy, and he's giving him advice about pastoring the church. And he's saying to them, he's, he's saying to Timothy, he's saying, look, Timothy, you have to challenge those who have, those who are rich in the things of this world. You have to challenge them. Don't be high-minded. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't be proud because you have things. And don't trust in the, in the riches of the world. Don't, don't think everything's okay because you have the things of the world. But charge them to trust in God. And charge them that it is God that gives us richly all things to enjoy. If we have anything, it's because God allows us to have it. And He is challenging them in this passage to be willing to give, be willing to, to distribute to those who have not. And so we see here that God gives us, the phrase I want to bring your, your attention in this verse, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. So God gives to us that we might have joy. And we give to others that they might have joy. But that's not the end of this joy thing. We also receive joy when we give. Why does God give us all things to richly enjoy? Because it brings joy to Him when He gives to us. Giving brings joy to the giver and the receiver. People who only take, people who are only always receiving, are not full of joy. Giving is loving. Loving is living. And we need to be people who are experiencing the fullness of life by being people who not only receive from God, which brings us joy, but giving out to others, which brings them joy and continues our joy. When you, all you do is receive and receive and receive, eventually you will become dead and you will not be experiencing the joy of life. The Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, it says that in verse number 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and he suffered for our sins. He 
The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, He who knew no sin, he had never sinned, he who was not worthy of death, became sin. He took upon himself our sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So that we could be saved and redeemed, he took sin upon himself. And the Bible says that he, in, verse, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that he did that because there was joy set before him. It brought joy to God to endure on our behalf. And that giving, that giving of himself, that, that was not just giving of money, it was giving of himself, brought joy to God. And it brings joy to ourselves when we live a life of not just receiving from God, but giving to others and giving back to God. If you want to be full of joy, then the giving has to be like a, a continuous flowing river. You're receiving and you're giving out. You're receiving and you're giving out. Once you become a lake that only receives, you will die. There's a, a, a place in the Bible, it's called the Dead Sea. And it is a place where uh, plants and animals don't grow. Fish don't live. It's called the Dead Sea. And that Dead Sea is a lake. It receives water from the River Jordan, but no water flows out of it. All that lake does is receive and receive and receive, but it doesn't have an outlet. Most lakes have a, a river that flows in on one side and a river maybe that flows out on another side. But this river, just this lake, it just takes and takes and takes, but it does not let out. And it is called the Dead Sea. And we become dead when we don't give. We need to receive and give. The third motivation, the third proper motivation to give is that giving is investing. So we see, number one, that uh, we should give because we want to give. We love, so therefore we give. Number two, we give because giving leads to joy. It, it leads to other people's joy, and it leads to our joy. And then number three, and by the way, let me, let me say, if you're a parent, um, you like giving to your children because you like seeing their face light up. You like seeing them get happy. It brings joy to them, and their joy brings joy to the parent. And it's that way with everybody in life. Now, the third point, people give because giving is investing. Or maybe I should say people should give. Or I guess those who are properly motivated to give, give because giving is investing. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 6, 7, and 8, it says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth 
bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now the word sow here is the idea of taking seed and throwing it on the ground. And that seed will take root and will bring forth a plant which will bring forth fruit. And the Bible says if you sow sparingly or you sow just a little, then you're going to reap according to how you sowed. So if you sow little, you reap little. But if you sow bountifully or plentifully, then you will reap bountifully. Verse number 7 says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So God says, look, uh, let every man give according to his heart, according to how he wants to give in his heart. Let him be a cheerful giver, because God loves a cheerful giver. God loves those who don't give grudgingly, but they give cheerfully. In verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, what is God saying? God is saying that when you give, that He's able to continue providing, His grace can continue flowing to you, that you're able to have your needs met, and that you can continue to help and meet the needs of others. As you give, God gives to you. As you meet the needs of others, God meets your needs. That doesn't mean you're going to be super rich. That doesn't mean you're going to have everything in this world. It means, though, that God will meet your needs. It means that you'll have joy because you give and you receive from God. I want to give you this illustration. There were two men, two young men. The year was about 1892. These two young men were university students, and they were going to the famous uh, school called Stanford University. It's one of the premier universities in America. And these men were entering into their second year of school, and they didn't have the money they needed to go to school. And they were desperate to find ways of raising money for their tuition and their fees. And they had an idea. They said, look, let's, let's have a piano concert and let's invite the famous Polish pianist. His name was Paderewski. And so they contacted this, this, the manager of this famous pianist, Paderewski, and they made an agreement with him for Paderewski to come and put on a concert. The manager insisted that these young men would pay his pianist $2,000. Now, in the year 1892, that was a lot of money. And they agreed. And so they began to advertise this piano, piano concert. And the day came, Paderewski came, he put on his concert, but there was a problem. The young man had only sold tickets that totaled up to $1,600. And so when the 
concert was over, the young men were $400 short of what they owed to the great pianist Paderewski. They came to him, they brought the $1,600, and they also brought a promise note that they had written on saying that, well, we promise to pay you the other 400 as soon as we can raise it. Paderewski took the note, he took the money, and he said, that's not good enough, that won't do. I can't accept it. He took the note and he tore it in half and he gave the money back to them and he said, you take out all your expenses, you take out what you need for your school bill, if there's anything left, you can give it to me. Of course, these young men were excited because their need had been met and they were able to pay their school bill and continue in school. Years went by, and the year is now 1919. This is about 27 years later. This great pianist, Paderewski, has become the leader of the nation of Poland. We've just ended the World War I, the Great War, and the people of Poland have been through much hardship, and there's much starvation the people of Poland were starving. And Paderewski is trying to figure out how he's going to help his people, how he's going to help feed uh, five million people that are starving in Poland. Uh, that number may not be exactly right, but many people were starving in this country of Poland. He made a decision to call the United States, and he got a hold of the U.S. Food and Relief Program. And the leader of that program under the United States government agreed to help the country of Poland. And much food and supplies began being raised and being shipped to Poland. And they were able to meet the need of the many, many starving people in Poland. After this great need was met, Paderewski decided he would travel to Paris, France, to meet the leader of the U.S. Food and Relief Program and to thank him for the thousands and thousands of tons of food and supplies that poured into Poland to meet this great need of the Polish people. When he met the leader of the Food and Relief Program, he began to thank him for his contribution and his help and his leadership. And the man said to Mr. Paderewski, he said, that's all right. He said, uh, you probably don't remember this. He said, but you helped me once when I was a student in college. And I was in a bad situation. And the, the leader of that food and relief program had been one of those two young students that Paderewski had given them the money back and forgiven their debt and helped them go to school. And now all these 27 years later, he's grown up and he's leading the program that had bailed out many, many, many starving people in the nation of Poland. And that leader's name was Herbert Hoover, who became the 31st president 
of the United States. And by the way, Herbert Hoover had grown up as an orphan. And so this leader of Poland had met this young man's need and had been gracious to him when he was just a young man. And now all these years later, it came back to him. And that young man helping the nation of Poland and coming through for him in a time of great need. You see, giving is an investment in your future. And as you give now, you will reap later. Paderewski had given way back to help those two young men. And many years later, it came back to him and he reaped the benefit of his giving. And that's how it will be with us. As we give on this earth, so shall we reap in eternity. Jesus tells a story in the end days, and I don't have time to read all the verses, but he tells a story of a judgment. It's called the judgment of the sheep and the goats. And he says to the sheep, he says, look, uh, he rewards them. He says that I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. And they said, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? When did we give you drink? When did we take you in? And Jesus said to them, in, the, in that you did it to the least of these, my brethren. He pointed to his Jewish brethren that had been serving him. He said, as you did it to these, you did it to me. As we help those in need, as we're good to the poor, as we're good to those who are in need, that's how we give back to God and that's how we show our love to God and that's how we invest in our future and one day God in heaven will give us eternal rewards if we sow bountifully now if we learn to give on this earth of our time and our treasure and our talent then one day we will reap in heaven giving is an investment Three proper motivations for giving. Number one, we're motivated by love. Number two, we're motivated by joy, giving it and receiving it. And number three, giving as an investment. Thank you for watching the Fundamental Hour. Contact us if we can help you in any way, shape, or form. We love you. God bless. Thank you.